Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Let's bring in Lisa Dugan, Department of Natural Resources. She works for Safety and Recreation. It's a title so long that, uh, as uh, I told Steve Carroll, I said, uh, Lisa, you couldn't even put that name on the back of your softball uniform. You've got such a prestigious title. It's long and lengthy, but we know what it means. You know, it, it, it explains the job, but it certainly doesn't uh, you know, explain all of it. So we can just go with, you know, I, I talk about safety, ice safety, boating safety, snowmobile safety, all that good stuff. Ways that we can have fun outside and be safe. And, and boy, do we need to talk about it right now, huh? Um, I mean, we get this storm coming in, and the storm's got uh, um, uh, rain and sleet and everything that we and wind and everything else coming up. We got we got people up north that are probably safe to ice fish and everything in between. So let's start with that, Lisa. I, 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 what, what prompted my curiosity in this was I was driving the other day, and I, I saw a lake that had frozen over three days previous, and I see a guy in the middle of the lake ice fishing, and I'm going, "That's crazy! There can't be enough ice there." And, and it just got me thinking, what are the rules? How, how do you begin to forecast what's safe and what's not? So you, you pick it up there and take it away. Yeah. Well, and I know, you know, we've, we say it every time and we've heard it. Ice is never 100% safe. And, you know, with that being said, you know, there's steps that you can take to, you know, put yourself in the best position when you do a go out on the ice. So then if something does happen, you know, how can you get yourself out? How can you help somebody else out? And, you know, how can you best prepare for those unexpected, um, you know, situations? Nobody plans for falling through the ice. So, you know, we're still going to ice fish. We're still going to ski and ice skate and do all of those things on the ice. But, you know, this has been a really strange start to the season. Like you said, conditions are changing so quickly, and it just hasn't been a great start to the ice season so, you know, it's one of those things that we need to keep an eye on the temperature, um, not necessarily the date on the calendar at this time. So, so okay, so somebody says, you know what, um, I'm thinking about going ice skating on this pond back here because uh, the pond freezes quicker than the big lakes are. There's not as much open water here, and I can eyeball it and see it looks like it's pretty safe. Uh, okay, th- that's a thought. I get that. But how do you know whether it's safe enough or not? How, what, 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 uh, what process do you go through to get there? Yeah. And you, you know, you hit that on the head. You can't judge the ice conditions just by the appearance because there's so many factors that go into how ice is formed, the size of the body of water, like you said. If there's any currents or streams coming in, there's so much to take into consideration, um, you know, before stepping foot on it. But, 
you know, the only way to really check is to actually measure the ice for yourself. Um, don't take people's word for it. Don't take someone else's word for it. Check for yourself because really your safety is your responsibility. So, you know, if you have, you know, an ice auger, you're going out fishing, you're going to have an auger with you anyway. Um, you know, this time of year you can carry out, um, you know, an ice chisel or spud bar and kind of check the ice as you go. Or, you know, people have used a, a you know, handheld drill to check it, like if you're going to go ice skating. And, you know, for this time of the year, it's important to, you want to look for that um, new clear ice because that's the, you know, most solid ice. And now we're going to have snow cover on top. We're going to have rain that's deteriorating the conditions. So you can't measure the snow. Don't measure bad ice. You want to look for that good solid ice that hopefully at some point we'll start to see um, and get some, you know, longer consistent days of below freezing temperatures to get that nice solid ice that's really good for getting out on. Lisa Dugan is our guest for the Department of Natural Resources. Now, you and I are talking, I think, about mainly metro and southern Minnesota. How does it look in the northern part? I, I just talked to somebody who had their house out on Red Lake and had a great time out ice fishing there. Yeah, I mean, it's conditions vary across the state so much because they, you know, I've seen the same thing too, and I've heard that people are getting out and ice fishing. Um, some of the larger lakes, they may not be completely frozen in yet. I think uh, like in the Brainerd area, they're starting to, you know, call in their ice in date. So they are starting to see the bigger lakes freeze in. Um, and, you know, where you might have enough ice to support, you know, from what I've heard, and again, check for yourself when you get up there, but, um, you know, that they're able to start bringing some of the um, ice houses out with a side-by-side. They're not allowing bigger trucks on the lakes yet. Um, so again, check before you go up so you know exactly, you know, what you're getting into. And um, once you're out there, like, check with the local experts. So if there's known hazards, if you're not super familiar with the body of water you're going out on, um, check to see if there's an area that typically stays open longer, if there's aeration systems. And, you know, don't head out for the first time at night. You know, make sure you have some daylight so you know where you're going and you can see anything that, you know, comes up in front of you if you are going out. Um, and again, you know, some of the larger lakes that haven't frozen in yet, what we've seen the last couple of years, and it sounded like we're getting some wind, is that, you know, those bays will kind of freeze in earlier. And then if we get a, a storm coming in and the wind shifts, it can, you know, those ice shelves can, you know, detach from shore. And then we have anglers that are, fro- or, you know, are stranded on a floating ice shelf. Every once in a while you'll see so, that, yeah. Yeah, so it's... You know, I, I wouldn't want to be in that situation, but it, you know, it doesn't, it could be perfectly good ice that they go out on. It's just a shift in the wind. So keep an eye on that when you're out there too. What does wind do to ice conditions? I, I, I know it, it's, it's adjacent to a pearl. It depends on the open water that's there, but what will it do? Uh, you know, especially when we're talking about drastic winds like tomorrow. Yeah. Well, and if we're getting rain and wind, what the wind can do is kind of, you know, it moves that open water and, um, you know, it can either create holes on the ice that open up. Um, it can shift the ice shelves and move the ice shelves around. So if you've had, you know, you're looking out your window or you've seen, um, you know, ice along the shoreline and the middle of the lake is open, it can move those ice shelves around. Um, and it really, it just moves any of the water that's on top of the ice. So it deteriorates it then from the top down. And also, you know, with the snow, um, the snow acts as really an insulating blanket on the ice. So it's going to take longer for, you know, the ice to start forming, and it adds to the weight, um, you know, that the ice can really hold. 
So a couple things you have to take into consideration when you're going out on a you know, a lake or a river that has snow on top of it, too. Now, now uh, we, we talk about this, checking that, but I guess I don't know. I, is there a minimum in, in terms of to support one person uh, that's going to go ice skating or, or walk? I mean, w- w- how thick does that ice have to be for one person, and how thick does it have to be before you put a fish house on it? Mm-hmm. Yep, so you want to see at least four inches of clear, solid ice to... Um, you know, to walk out on if you're um, going ice skating or, you know, if you're carrying your sled with your um, fishing gear in it, um, you want to look for at least four inches um, of clear, solid ice um, before going out. And then if you're taking um, a snowmobile or an ATV out, five to seven inches for that. And especially take into consideration the side-by-sides. You know, they're really popular. People are loving them, taking them out on the ice. But you know, they're heavier than a snowmobile, and especially if you're able to bring all your gear out, your fish house out, take into consideration all of the weight of your gear and equipment um, before going out, too. We've seen kind of a troubling trend the last few years where nearly all of the fatalities have involved either a snowmobile or an ATV, and the side-by-sides are definitely, you know, in the higher range of that, too. So, so last question. One of the things that's always scared me, and that's why I stay away from them. And right now, there probably wouldn't be any question because it's probably pure open water. But rivers, rivers always scare me, and they scare me even more in the winter. Uh, what is it we need to know about rivers? Because I don't even like them in the summer because I don't know where the currents are. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you're right though. That they they're pretty unpredictable, and they you know you'll see that they usually freeze later than the lakes. Um, and it's, you know, you have to remember it's moving water and it's going to take a lot longer for that to freeze. And again, you add in a lot of additional factors when you're talking about moving water um, and vegetation. You know, if there's, you know, areas along the river where there's a lot of vegetation, that'll typically stay open longer as well. So it's a lot more, un, you know, it's unpredictable. So, you know, it kind of raises the, you know, like danger factors, I would say. So, I would say with that, there should be more safety precautions. So make sure you're checking the ice if you are out on a river, um, you know, as you go. I would just check it as you go. And, you know, some pieces of safety equipment that you can bring with you, um, you know, are kind of things that people already have. Um, bring, you know, ice picks with you. Put them around your neck. That's, you know, how they're, how they're made to be carried. You want them easily accessible should you fall through. They can help um, pull your pull yourself out of the ice and also look into getting like a float coat or boy. I was going to say, would you just wear a life jacket? Would that be okay? Yeah, absolutely. And you know, people think that's kind of a nut thing to do. They don't, it's not the first thing that you think of. It's with all your summer gear, but you know, not only will it keep you warm, it might add a little bit of bulk, but it's going to be the one piece of equipment that really keeps your head above water and buys you some time before, you know, emergency, emergency personnel can come out and, you know, or you can get yourself out of the water. So wear some buoyant gear, wear a life jacket, and, you know, take those ice picks out with you. Lisa, appreciate it very much, and I hope people heed your advice here over the next couple of days as this storm comes in. And uh, it doesn't look like it's going to be, uh, you know, real safe in a lot of places for some for any time soon. And thank you for getting the safety message out. That's always great. You know, have fun out there and just plan for the unexpected, I guess. Yeah, and, and, and safety first. And I always say, if I'm going to go on the ice this time of year, I'm going to make sure the deepest part I go to is thigh deep because I can get out of that, but I can't get out of it when it's eight feet, you know? There you go. That's good advice. 
Thank you, Lisa. Take care. Thanks so much. Yeah, I've learned the hard way more than once. I'll explain when we come back. Sports to the max. Here we go. Right of all the rangers, you know you're the man for mine. Sports to the max. I've had so many near misses, in part because I spent so much time on water in my life and lived near water for most of my life. That um, I've just had, um, I, I, I've had so many close calls, and, 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 and I guess I don't know if you call it life threatening or not, but and you know if you're on the lake a lot, and and you do a lot uh, in the wintertime on the lake, you 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 got to be so careful because things just happen. Uh, I recall not that many years ago, uh, I was walking on a lake and I was near shore, and all of a sudden I just went in. The, the ice just gave way. And it was about thigh deep. It wasn't intimidating. It wasn't like you go, oh, my God, you know, I can't breathe. I, you know, it's over your head, anything like that. And I realized that I was coming in. And there, there was a drainage that was a street drainage. So, in other words, uh, uh, overruns from the street or the storm sewer uh, made its way to um, uh, the lake. And because of that, you had compromised ice, but you wouldn't know it. Uh, until you got too close and it was too late. And, and, and I thought to myself, I remember thinking to myself, I, I thought, you know, I, I can get out of this and, and it's okay, no harm done. Uh, but what about a snowmobile? Because it, you bury that thing there and you're going to have a tough time getting it out. And, and there's no way that you could tell it was just kaplump. I was in the drink. You know, and it, 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 take, it takes you a second to realize what just happened. When I was a kid growing up on the shores of Lake Titlow, I vaguely remember it. Um, other people in my family recount it uh, because they were much older than I, uh, with much more clarity. But we were walking down the shoreline, and probably this time of year, probably you know, whenever it froze over, um, usually it would freeze over around November tenth, right around then, and and usually by about Thanksgiving, uh, Lake Titlow was good to go. You could you could go out and walk around the lake. Not every year, uh, it varies. Just like this year is different than last year. Uh, but that's what that, that's what I remember, and I, I was probably about five years old. See, we didn't have that many constraints or rules where I grew up. We grew up on a lake, and so did the neighbors. And I, I don't even want to tell you, you know, when I started driving a boat and <clears throat> carrying a gun to a duck blind by myself, all that stuff. But anyway, uh, my brother and I were walking down um, the uh, the shoreline, and there was ice. And uh, I don't know why I ventured out, but I did. And I went through. And I was all of, like, say, five years old. And it w- I don't recall it being over my head, but I do recall it being a threatening situation. And my brother yelling for help. And uh, we lived right by uh, Maynard Nesvik. And Maynard knew how to get things done. Maynard had the implement dealership there in town. And there are certain people, they just know how to get things done. And... Um, Maynard was one of those guys, you know, he, he had, uh, um, he lived that kind of life. He was a handyman, you know, you, you got a farm implement, you, you, you probably know a few things, a few tricks of the trade as to how to get, you know, in and out of fields and everything else with tractors and combines. And so Maynard came out in his backyard with a rope and he literally lassoed me. He tied the rope in a lasso 
And I don't know if he had had some experience in the rodeo or anything like that, uh, or if it was just a feel that he had, but he knew apparently that he couldn't walk to me uh, because the ice wasn't uh, forgiving. Uh, and, and he knew there was a way to get this. And he did. And um, he uh, he lassoed me, and literally, I, I don't know if he, he didn't, if I slid on the top of the ice or, or what happened. I, I, I just remember coming home and... and um, being cold and my parents being thankful that it had turned out the way that it did. Uh, but obviously some room for concern. And again, I don't remember it being over my head. I just remember that Maynard came out and, and, and used the lasso. And I've been told the story so many times that I probably remember it because of that. Uh, but those are, you know, <laughs> what, what always strikes you is how quickly it can happen. Um, I was out hunting ducks just this last, last month in North Dakota. And, um, uh, there were there were some ice in some places, not a lot, and uh, and we were, but it was that cold. The temperatures were that cold, which means the water temperatures were probably in the forties. And and we, Joe Berglove and, and Mike Maroney and I, and they were in one boat, and I was in another. And I was in a smaller boat, and it was tucked away in the weeds, and and, and we're waiting, and you know, here come the ducks, and, and and I stand up to shoot, and 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 I pop, and and I bring a Drake Mallard down. No big surprise there, right? It was a great shot. I oh, no big surprise there, as I tell Ron Shera. And the next thing I, I knew, I'd flipped out of the boat, and, and, and half my body was in the water, and my um, uh, my elbow was was uh, it, it was only like two feet deep the water where we were, uh, but the my elbow was like basing uh, w- was creating a brace at the at the bottom of foundation, uh, up against the the, the um, what was a mud bottom. And I couldn't, um, it's hard to, you almost have to see this to, to, to get a vision on it. But m- the only way I could get out of this predicament was to roll into the water uh, because my body was in the boat and I couldn't, I, because of the weight distribution, I couldn't bring myself back into the boat. So the only way I could do it was to get out of the boat, which meant rolling over into the water, which would have filled my waiter, soaked me on a cold day like that. Now, fortunately... Um, I was with two other hunters. I said, come get, and they came over and, and boom, we, we, we fixed it rather quickly. But what dawned on me was two things. One was, what if I'd have been alone? Uh, I could have got out of it, but I'd have been very cold and my waders would have been filled and had a long way to go back to the shore. And then I could have navigated that. I don't think that would have been, again, life-threatening, but dangerous. And then the other part was, what, what if, what if I'd have been by myself and the water was a lot deeper than that? And I went in, and I went in, in my waders. Or I flipped the boat, or whatever. And you, but it happens so doggone quick, folks, um, that it just a boom. And 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 these things. That's why I have so much respect, and, and and albeit fear for the water, and especially when there's an ice over, because I've just seen these things happen. And you know, I, I don't even know how uh, people can snowmobile at night. And I know a lot of people like to, but I just go, man, there just seems like that risk is so high. Um, you know, I spent two and a half hours one time in a slough that I couldn't get out of because because the the, the, the cattails were so high that I lost my my direction, and uh, those were scary times. Another time I got fogged in, and I walked back to my truck and I got within twenty yards of my truck, never knew it, and I turned left or right when I should have just kept going straight. And you know, two and a half hours later, uh, a farmer found me out on a back road, uh, and and again, not life threatening because I was on land. Uh, but as we retraced my steps, I realized because of, of, a, of a couple of uh, landmarks that I had walked probably within 20 yards of my vehicle, but because of the fog, didn't see it. And um, 
the next thing you know, I'd, I'd gone the wrong direction, and, and he found me, and we found my truck. But holy mackerel, that gets your attention. And I just get scared to dickens uh, this time of year when I see lakes. And I saw this guy out in the middle of the lake the other day. And you're going, I, I don't even know. If, if I saw him fall through, I don't even know what you could do. Because because how close would you try to get to somebody that's that, that, that's already on um, uh, vulnerable ice? Uh, I think the only thing you can do is call somebody uh, and see what they can do. But I, I, I'm playing in my mind like, okay, could could you throw them a rope? Could you uh, could you slide a boat out there and run with the boat as fast as you could? And then if the ice started to break, you jump in the boat and you get as close to them as you can. I I don't know. Uh, but all those things play in my mind, and, I, and then it just keeps coming back to the same thing. That's not worth it. It's not worth it to go ice fishing in the middle of the lake on, on, on two-inch ice. Um, but some people do, and maybe there's, I don't know, maybe they're smarter than me, but I can't imagine a fishing trip to catch a couple of crappies or sunfish that would be worth that. Tomorrow is signing day. That means that uh, it's a whole new ball game now in college football. You, you sign these players that are seniors in high school, but you um, you also want this transfer portal, and then there's another signing day in February, so it gets very confusing. But tomorrow, say the Gophers will sign a class, uh, most of their senior class uh, of football players that will be freshmen next year at the University of Minnesota. But you got to be careful because you don't want to sign too many because there might be somebody in the transfer portal that you want even more. See how this game is being played now and how confusing it gets? Randy Taylor used to coach college football and now works for a recruiting service like that. We'll ask him to sort it out and see what he thinks of the Golden Gophers class. That's next on Sports to the Max. You're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. You really are a hero. Mother Nature today, Mr. Grinch. Welcome back. Sports to the Max. Randy Taylor used to coach the University of Minnesota. And he now um, helps oversee a recruiting service. That means they look at who's going where on signing day and beyond. And there's really, there's so many different, there's two signing days, one in December, one in February. And then anytime in between, you can get commitments, of course. And, and Randy, I got to tell you, this, this college football, for better or worse, and maybe it's for better, I don't know, has been turned upside down over and basketball and everything else because this transfer portal and extra years. But uh, we have never seen uh, what we the wild wild west like we've seen it here in the last uh, year have we? No, and then you you throw in the NIL, and then you throw in the NIL. Yeah, everybody's looking yeah. for deals, right? Yeah. So uh, so I'm at at school Y, and I want to go to school X, but I'm only getting sandwiches at school Y. Maybe I'll get three meals at school X. I'm going, baby. I'm going, man, and I'll compete yeah. for whatever job it is they want me to compete for. There. How has the NIL, what schools have benefited the most from the NIL that you can tell? Well, I think the obvious are, are you know, I think Alabama has the, the, the Bryce Young uh, kid is, uh, before he ever took a snap, had a million dollars in NIL uh, deals. And so I think I haven't really looked at at who is is doing what, but I'm assuming the best, you know, the the elite programs are doing the best. You know, and what this has settled into for most, you know, a lot of people thought this would be a windfall, and and then reality sets in. Businesses aren't going to just give you money. There has to be a reason. Either either they're a huge donor and they just want to win, or uh, you have to make money for them, and that's why they're investing in you. So it sounds like Randy, 
most of the people that are making NIL money, it's it's as being an influencer on a social media. So if you can get enough followers and then see I use this product, you can make some money, but it's almost contingency money based on uh, or consignment money based on what you do for them uh, for most players. Only the high profile, it seems like, because you got to be able to move merchandise for that, for that company, uh, are really benefiting right now. Well, I, I, I don't know about that because here's what I think. Just think about this. BYU has NIL uh, arrangements for everybody, including walk-ons. And, and so everybody is, is benefiting. You know, there's offensive linemen who are getting uh, free meals, you know what mm-hmm. I mean, or, or whatever it might be. So everybody's benefiting right now, and, and recruiting is based on uh, what NIL money might be out there in part. I mean, you know, like the, the Rattler kid, he had an agent handling his uh, transfer NIL deals. So, so he's looking. He moved from Alabama, to South Carolina, yeah, uh, and, and, uh, from Oklahoma. I'm sorry, South Carolina. And, yeah. and, and and he he is a coveted. You know, he he's got he's got tape, as they say. Uh, so he's proved himself. He he just lost a starting spot, and so now his agent can talk to that school in this case, South Carolina, and say, okay, what what are we looking at for NIL here? And and that's all legit now, is what you're saying. I don't know if that's legit to do that, but I know that it can be done. So okay. I haven't read the rules enough to know if an agent can be working with. Uh, I don't think you can sell a kid to a school based on the NIL money you can get, but I think you can get NIL money from, uh, you know, Target or something. Sure, sure. And, and what an agent probably could do is he could say, if you want to go to that school, let me make some phone calls to some corporations there, and let's just okay. test the waters and see what they think. Yeah, and then under the table is a whole different world. That's a whole different world. <laughs> yeah. yeah okay. So tomorrow's you know, signing day, and and it's different now because of uh, the December and February. It used to be the big build up to February, and all the kids with their different hats, and then they'd make the call and all that stuff. It's changed a little bit since then. First of all, um, how significant is tomorrow? Well, it, it it's significant in that. Uh, it's still early signing, and and you know, but but I don't know if it's as 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 important as it was last year. And some of that has to do with the NIL and the transfer portal and and all the other things. So there's a lot of talk about let's move the early signing day back either to February or or some other time uh, to to kind of guard against all of these transfers killing us in our scholarship numbers because you know kids can decide to transfer after you've signed a class uh of of you know minnesota's got 19 commits but by by the time the uh, uh all the kids decide to transfer you may need 25 and you're going to get what's left over in february and is, is it also a case of some of these kids, let's say the semester ends at the end of December, you could be a veteran player sitting there going, I'm going to see who actually commits here in this signing class. And if I think they're going to put that person in front of me, I'm not saying a word here, but come January, I'm out of here. I mean, is that the game that's being played? That, that's exactly right. That That's what the fear is, is that they're going to just be uh, sitting and and once they sign that elite quarterback you know 
uh, oh, I'm out of here, man, or yep. that whatever it might be, you know. And so these kids are sitting here watching the signings and the transfers to see if they're going to stay. And so, you know, you, you go to like 24-7 sports and they've got their uh, transfer portal section of who's left and who's going and, and all that. Now, again, I don't know if they're up to date because I, I just looked. So earlier today I checked the portal and there were like 32 uh, that had signed up today. That okay. was as at 226. At 5.13.49 it signed up <laughs> portal today. So that's 49 in one day. There, right now, active players uh, in this recruiting class, there's 2,064 Division One players in the portal. That are looking for to upgrade themselves, in essence. Yeah. Okay, so, yeah. so if you were a coach, knowing what you know and the coaches that you know, um, particularly in a Power 5 conference, all these other colleges just become junior colleges to you, it seems to me. Uh, uh, would you go heavy on the transfer portal and less on the high school? Or, I mean, it seems to me that if you know how to navigate a transfer portal and you can get them right now and you know how to identify talent, uh, you're much better off going with somebody that's played two or three years and you got tape on it at the college level. Well, the, the, the colleges now have a portal uh, division. You know, like a, it's almost like you have the co- pro, you have pro scouting and college scouting. Now you have college, you know, high school scouting and portal scouting. And colleges have a, a department in their personnel that is just for portal scouting. So, so what about the kids who put themselves in the portal and they think there's going to be a market because they got recruited out of high school, but they really haven't done much in college and they find out there ain't much market value for it. Are they able to go back to that same school or is that very difficult for them? It's up to the school. You know, every school handles it differently. And I, I, I just happened to look at what last year's portal was that's still in there. There's uh, 2,066 active kids in the portal from last year's recruiting class and that's division one football so, so you're saying most of them returned to their original school well they if they coaches let them but these kids are just sitting there without e- either the school has allowed them to stay in the portal and at the school which is is kind of hard to believe yeah uh and so you know, where are all these kids going if they're still sitting in the last year's portal as active? Well, that's what I'm wondering. Who, are there a bunch of kids that just start playing now? Must Yeah, it has to be. I don't know where they I are. I mean, you have to really cross-reference there. all the rosters, but, I mean, that's a pretty tough pill to swallow. That, 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 that isn't what you were thinking when you went in the portal, right? Yeah, exactly right. And that's that's the problem. And then And then you go in and you say, uh, I'm a college coach, and it's kind of like, you know, you go to a JC for a reason. Well, you, you go to the portal for a reason. Yeah. You yeah. know? And sometimes so, it's a good reason. You know, coaching yeah. change, philosophy change, and it makes all the sense in the world. But sometimes yeah. you, you might be a step slow, and you just don't want to admit it. Can you stay on with us for a quick break? Because I haven't even gotten to the Gophers class yet. You got it, man. I'm with you. Randy Teeler is our guest, breaking down tomorrow's signing day, and a whole bunch more as you can pick up on interesting stuff in college football when we come back. Boom, 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 boom. Welcome back. Randy Teeler, our guest tomorrow, uh, signing day uh, for uh, college football. 
Gopher's got 19 commitments. And uh, Randy, uh, I was out with uh, Chase uh, Carter today. He's going to Michigan State. His father played basketball at the University of Minnesota. Randy. Uh, and, and, and he's a pretty good one. We got a tight end from Lakeville North. The Rambos could go into to Nebraska. So, uh, Minnesota did, certainly didn't get them all in this state. Generally, they don't. But, uh, can you tell, do you get a feel? Uh, I don't know how many stars you put next to him, but what do you see? Well, I, I think the, and, and the recruiting class, well, let me do this. Let me back up one second because, uh, on the portal stuff. Because yeah. I work with a group called National Preps, and I think this yep. is important. So colleges pay us to scout high school players for them. Yep. And so what we've noticed is there are some schools who don't use our service as much because they've decided the portal is more important. Colleges, you mean, because they've said we're not going to spend as much time on it. Right. So so I'm in a company that's that's scouting high school players, and some schools don't really need that as much as they used to because, and this is kind of the, the question about how it affects the high schools, because they're not recruiting high schools as much. So these signing days are really hard to grade. No question. What do you think of what you see from Minnesota? Well, the, what I like about Minnesota, and again, so right now they have 19 what is called hard commits. We'll see how many they sign tomorrow. But what they don't know is how many kids are going to leave and what their 85 number is going to look like. Yep. You know what I mean? So Total of 85, yeah, scholarship, thing. yep. Yeah, and so that's the hard thing. But but as far as this group, this 19, I, I like it because uh, I think they do a great job of identifying players that fit needs. You know, they, they have uh, Minnesota recruits really for length, and, and room to grow and upside, size and length are really that stand out in this group. You know, uh, like the defensive linemen, the, this four, these four kids, uh, I love them because it's such an upside to all of them. And they, they do a great job, like the, the Smith and Bixby and those, you know, they're all kids, Schwartz, they're all kids that are going to get bigger, stronger, faster. And then, you know, the wrestler, uh, Pyburn from Jacksonville. I mean, those are good football players that are going to get, that can do a lot and are going to get better, you know. You know, the Big Speed kid had a strange uh, a chain of events. He was in Ohio. And he said since he's going to come to school in Minnesota, he might as well move to Minnesota and get closer to the campus. So he moved to Eden Prairie, of course, a perennial power, right. and uh, played for Mike Grant for a year. And, and he barely played. He played He played a, a first game and got hurt. And then he had some medical issues in between uh, and and then came back at the end of the year and played. And I'm looking at that going, you know, and now, now just, just take me, and I'm not saying him specifically, because I don't know how he grades out in the University of Minnesota's mind, but if you get kind of a, a, a smattering, but you can't really tell what level the kid plays at because of what happened to him this year, uh, do, do, do they ever say, you know what, um, we're backing off, uh, we think you'd be better off going somewhere else, or once you lock into a kid with a verbal, is it pretty much written in stone? Well, it's hard to back out of a, a commitment because of all of the ramifications, especially if you back out of a kid at Eden Prairie. And, and, you know, There's Coach a lot of ramifications there. He's going yeah. down the road, yep. Coach Grant may not like that yeah. uh, next year. And so, uh, but but there are teams that do it. You know, there's certain teams that offer everybody. And 
they then just slow play the guy or, or kind of drop him off the list. And, and even if they've committed, there's a thing now called uncommittable commits. And that uh, means what? Un- uh, which I don't know what it means. Or unsignable <laughs> commits. You know, so there's there's terminology now that is basically the word commitment didn't mean anything anyway. And now there's uncommittable commitments and unsignable commitments. And so we're all trying to figure all that stuff out. But but uh, going back, I like this class. I think uh, uh, Coach Fleck and Coach Callahan, those guys I've known for a long time. Uh, I like the quarterback in this group. He's the the Knuth kid from uh, South Dakota, he looked good to you? Yeah, I love him. He, you know, he kind of is a, uh, maybe it's just because it's South Dakota, but he's kind of a Carson Wentz-ish sure. kind of guy. Uh, good size, mobile, good tough arm strength, all those good things that, uh, you know, not much wasted motion. He, he's a talented guy. Uh, so I, I think they did a heck of a job with this group. Um, and a lot of them from out of state, and I don't know if this is a normal thing, but I, I, don't, I don't know what they have from in-state. Just five from Minnesota out of the 19, which is scary uh, up until they sign tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, but do they sign tomorrow? Uh, but you know, I, I just can't see why. And, 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 and take me back here again. These Power Five conferences, um, isn't it incredibly easy for an SEC team, a Big Ten team, uh, USC, whatever it is, to, to even send out the overtures uh, to, to the kid that's a really good player at, at Bowling Green or wherever it is, and say, "Look at man, we we really like you." I'm not telling you to go in the transfer portal. I'm just telling you, if you do. There's probably be a spot for you here. Yeah, oh, absolutely. The the you know the, that's why I said the the somebody on the at at USC is is watching all of the players at every other school, uh, especially uh, those kids that are backups or they have uh, they think they may be ready for the portal, and then so they're keeping an eye on them and have a board uh, just like the NFL does with those kids rated. Okay, here's the top five wide receivers. If we're going to go portal, these are the guys we would like to see in the portal, and then, and then they have to decide how what the rules are and, and how much they're willing to break them, if at all. <laughs> a lot of won't, you know. I mean, yep. most schools won't. It's it's a pretty clean business, but it sure makes it uh, less clean with the NIL. And some of that other stuff. Yeah, and I mean, if I'm sitting at, at Bowling Green and, and and I don't know it, I mean, I want to know that Alabama thinks I can play for him or fill a void. Now, now, if you're an SEC or uh, uh, flip side that, uh, if you're in a conference, a Power Five conference, and you go, I want to go to the portal, and, and you're from you know a pretty good program. Now, let's just say you haven't seen the field, but but you've been on that roster. Is it almost automatic that you're going to get a scholarship somewhere because of, because of that name? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's it, it's so. Then the the research has to be done by the school that's looking at. Like Mississippi had a bunch recent, a couple D linemen and some other kids, and and I, I noticed that uh, Coach Kiffin's not very happy about it, and he's saying the NIL is is kind of uh, you know kids go to the highest bidder now when they leave Ole Miss, you know, and and so. Uh, Oops. Hey, you know what, Randy? I'm sorry. I went. To, I was so involved in this. I went too long. So I'm going to let you go. I'm going to promise we'll talk again soon. But thank you so much. 
You got it, brother, anytime. Randy Taylor, clarification too. Gary Trent played in the NBA. His son plays in the NBA. Let's talk to him about the NBA because he knows a lot about what? The NBA. Next. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 